When I hear that, I'm ready to go back. But today we're going to continue our series from the Sermon on the Mount, and we've come to the Golden Rule. Now, I am familiar with many of the modern versions of the Golden Rule. He who has the gold makes the rules, do unto others before they do unto you, and so forth. But today we're going to look at Jesus' version. Barclay said, the golden rule is probably the most universally famous thing that Jesus ever said. Now, when we think about the golden rule, in that one sentence, Jesus summarized the law. Rick Godwin wrote, Jesus takes all the laws and all the prophets, all those books in the Bible which take 50 hours to read out loud, And he condenses them. So in that one sentence, he summarized the law. For instance, the law says, thou shalt not kill. Well, if I practice the golden rule, I'm not going to kill you because I don't want you to kill me. In fact, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote, as you yourself value your life, remember that the other man also values his life. And that if your attitude towards that man is right, you will not kill that man. Well, that makes perfect sense to me. So if I live out the golden rule, then the law says, Thou shalt not kill. Well, I'm not going to kill you because I don't want you to kill me. The law says, Thou shalt not steal. So I don't steal from you because I don't want you to steal from me. The law says, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not covet and so forth. So in that one sentence... Jesus summarized everything the law had to say and the prophets. So all that Isaiah wrote, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Amos, Joel, all the rest of them is summarized in that one sentence, the golden rule. Now you will find the golden rule in Matthew chapter 7, verse number 12. And that's where we left off last time. But there he says, therefore... However you want people to treat you, so treat them, for this is the law and the prophets. Now, the golden rule is different. William Barclay wrote, It is possible to quote rabbinic parallels for almost everything that Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. But there is no real parallel to this saying. This is something which had never been said before. I read that. I don't know how that strikes you. But I read that this is something that has never been said before. And I thought, well, that isn't right. Because I knew that the essence of the golden rule is found in other religions. For instance, it is found in Judaism. But the reason you can say that is because in the other religions, it is in its negative form. Don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you. So in other religions, we find it, but it is in its negative form. There is the story of two famous rabbis, Hillel and Shammai. A young man came to both of them on one occasion, and as he stood before them, one at a time, he said, I am ready to become a proselyte to your teaching. If you will tell me your teaching 
the law as I stand here on one leg. And so he stood on one leg waiting for them to reply. Well, Shammai was not necessarily a generous or gracious person, and so he was offended by the young man's demonstration. He took up a stick and ran him off. Hillel, on the other hand, received the young man, listened to his request, and he said, what is hateful to yourself, do to no other. That is the whole law, and the rest is commentary. Go and learn. Now, that is the golden rule in its negative form. Don't do to someone else what you don't want them to do to you. You also see it in Confucianism that says, do not do to others what you would not like yourself. Then there will be no resentment against you either in the family or in the state. Buddhism says, hurt not others in ways that you yourself would find hurtful. Hinduism says, this is the sum of duty. Do not unto others what you would not have them do unto you. But do you see the negative approach to it? They say the same thing, but they say it in a negative way. It was also true with the Greeks and the Romans. Socrates wrote, what stirs your anger when done to you by others, that do not to others. The Stoics wrote, what you do not wish to be done to you, do not do to anyone else. Philo said, one must not himself do what he hates to have done to him. Jesus, however, put the thought in its positive form. That's the reason it can be said this has never been said before. Well, you might think, well, what's the big deal? Whether it's in its negative form or its positive form, what difference does it really make? In its negative form, it is passive. It requires you doing nothing. In its positive form, it is active. Now you have to do something. You see, in its negative form, it fulfills the requirements of the law. Barclay wrote, a man could satisfy the negative form of the rule by simple inaction. If he consistently did nothing, he would not break it. Now, if you think about it in its negative form, don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you. That means then that you do nothing. If you do nothing to another person, then you have kept the golden rule in its negative form. It does not require one to be a Christian to keep the golden rule in its negative form. Truth is, you don't even have to be alive to keep it in its negative form. All those people in the cemetery are keeping the golden rule in its negative form. They're not hurting anyone. They're not doing anything to anyone. So in its negative form, it fulfills the law. Just don't do anything. And you have not broken the law. But if it is placed in its positive form, now it requires action and therefore fulfills love. In its positive form, it's not enough for me not to hurt you. Now I have to help you. Do you see the difference? In fact, the perfect word picture of that 
is the story of the Good Samaritan. Now, you recall the story about the man who was going down the road. He was attacked, beaten, left for dead, robbed. And then there was a a priest who came by and he saw him. He looked at him. He went on his way. Then there was a Levi who came by, saw the man, and he went on his way. Now, they both kept the golden rule in its negative form. They didn't do anything to the man. Then there was the Samaritan who came by, saw the man there. He bandaged up his wounds. He picked him up, took him to an inn, and left him there saying, take care of this man, and here's the money to take care of him. If it requires anything more than that, then I will pay that when I come back. He kept the golden rule in its positive form. You see the difference? The priest and the Levite saw the man there. They just didn't do anything. They didn't hurt him. They just left him. But they didn't do anything to him. When the Samaritan came by, he ministers to him. He is actively involved in him. Therefore, it was the Samaritan who kept the golden rule in its positive form. As a church member, you can keep the golden rule in its negative form by not hurting the church. Just don't do anything to hurt the church. But when it's put in its positive form, now then you must help the church. See, that's, that's different. It calls you to action. As a citizen, you can keep the golden rule in its negative form if you don't commit a crime, if you don't throw trash out the window of your car, things of that nature. But if you put it in its positive form, now then I have to make the community safer and I have to pick up the trash that someone else threw out. So the rule is different. When Barclay said, this has never been said before, the essence of it has been said before, but in its negative form. When Jesus put it in its positive form, then it changed everything. The golden rule is not only different, it is also difficult. In fact, it's a lot easier to join a Baptist church than it is to live out the golden rule. Now, we preach the the golden rule, I do. I mean, that's what I'm doing today. We preach the precepts of God. That's easy. I tell you what the golden rule says. That's an easy thing to do. I tell you that the the Bible says that we are to minister. That's an easy thing to do. I tell you that the Bible tells us that we are to do missions. We are to be involved in spreading the gospel around the world. That's an easy thing to do. I tell you the Bible says that we are to tithe. That's an easy thing to do. So it is easy to preach the precepts of God's word. It's a lot easier for me to preach about prayer than it is to pray. It's easy to preach. And then we also praise the rule. Everyone acknowledges the the value of the golden rule, even politicians. J. Edgar Hoover said, It is the American precept that men shall live as equals under a government of law which is embodied in the greatest of all laws, whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do even so to them. So he was very complimentary about the golden rule. In fact, I was watching a debate the other night. Ron Paul said that our foreign policy should be be based on the golden rule. So we praise the golden rule, the idea of the golden rule. We praise. Politicians do, theologians do. Barclay said, it is the topmost peak of social ethics and the Everest of all ethical teachings. 
People in general appreciate and praise the golden rule. I've had so many times people to say to me, uh, if I ask them, are you a Christian? Oh, yes, I'm a Christian. Well, how do you know that you're a Christian? Well, I live the golden rule. I don't, I don't get into that with them because I know they don't live the golden rule. But that, that's what they say. I mean, because they value the golden rule. They understand the value of the golden rule. So we preach it, we praise it, but we don't practice it. Is that not right? I mean, we preach about the golden rule because it's there in the Sermon on the Mount. We praise it. We say, oh, that is a, that is a great concept. So we praise it, but we don't practice it. Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote, the tragedy is that having praised it, they do not implement it. And after all, the law was not meant to be praised. It was meant to be practiced. Jesus gave us the golden rule that we might live it. Well, why don't we? We all say that it is valuable, so why don't we live it? Look at verse number 11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? You know why we don't practice it? Because man is sinful. That's the real reason, because man is sinful. One of the things I did note in that verse, however, is that being sinful does not preclude one from doing good things. A man may not be a Christian and yet do good things for his family. One may not be a Christian and yet do good things for his community. But the problem that we have and the reason we do not practice it is because He says the heart is evil. There is none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Because man is sinful, then man is selfish. Jones wrote, so the failure of man to live by and to keep the golden rule is due to the fact that he is self-centered. So I don't live the golden rule because of self-centeredness. Can you think of, and I'll not ask you to tell anyone, but has there been any demonstration of self-centeredness within your family even this morning? I can tell by the way some of you are smiling there is. Self-centeredness, you know, just think of the things that we do. For instance, um, because we are self-centered, we want the channel changer. I never get to use the channel changer. Linda just goes from one sports program to the next. It drives me nuts. Self-centeredness. A lot of of things that go on in the church is simply because of self-centeredness. I honestly, well, I do understand in a sense, but I don't understand why in application it works this way. Why some people get so bent out of shape about styles of worship. Well, if they don't sing this kind of music, then I can't worship. You know, if they don't do this, then I can't worship. Unless I'm missing it somewhere, when, when a person says that, then worship has become about them rather than about God. See, I can enjoy, now to be honest, there's some music that I prefer I act like I like it all. I really don't. But, you know, there's some of it that I prefer. 
But it doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter because I assume that it's a blessing to someone else. We don't live out the golden rule because we have sinful hearts and as a result of that, we are selfish. So the question then is how can we live it? Would you not like to live the golden rule? Then how can we do it? There was a missionary to the American Indians and he preached on one occasion about the golden rule. At the end of his sermon, the chief came to him and said, It is impossible. If the great spirit who made man would give him a new heart, he might do as you say. He's exactly right. That's what's required. For us to live at the golden rule, we have to have a new heart that comes when we become a child of God. And I think that, that, I think that we see that in the, in the story of Isaiah when he had the vision in chapter number 6 of Isaiah Uzziah the king had died. Uzziah and, and Isaiah then went into the temple to pray. He said that while he was there, he saw the Lord. That's the first thing he saw. He said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Now, after he saw the Lord, then he saw his own sin. He saw himself as a sinner. In Isaiah 6, 5, he said, Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined. Now, folks, that's what happens if we see God, if we get a glimpse of God. We see the Lord in his holiness, then we see our own sinfulness, and then Isaiah saw that he lived among a sinful people. And so in Isaiah 6, 5, he says, And I live among a people of unclean lips. Let me show you what happened. Isaiah went into the temple, he saw God in his holiness. After he saw God, he saw his own sinfulness. When he saw his own sinfulness, then he looked out and saw the sinfulness of those around him. In other words, you are just like I am. You and I have the same struggles. There's no one who has arrived. Now then when I recognize that, I see God in his holiness. I see my own sinfulness. I then see you as a sinner. And so we are alike. Therefore, I treat you as I would want to be treated because you and I are alike. We are sinners. The rule is difficult. It's easy to preach. It's easy to praise. But it's difficult to practice. The rule is dynamic. J. Harry's listed some characteristics of the rule. He said, in principle, we place ourselves in position of others and judge as we would want to be judged. He said, that is the principle of it, that I place myself in your situation and judge as I would want to be judged. He said, it is foundational, Harry's wrote, it underlies all public and private justice, government, society, education, and religion. It is reasonable, he said, because I should be willing to give you the same right, the same grace that I would want for myself. It is equitable because it is expected from all Christians. Now, you understand Folks, that in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is speaking to his children. And if you are a Christian, these things he is saying here, he expects from you. He, he is describing for us the Christian life. He says, this is what I'm expecting from you. If you are a Christian, 
Now, if you're not a child of God, then there are different standards that apply. But if you are a Christian, then this is what is expected of you. And then Harry said, it is evangelistic because it requires the grace of God by which we become a child of God. Now, can you imagine if we were to live the golden rule, the changes that would be made? Can you imagine? For instance, in our homes, husbands and wives, the change that would be made there. There there was a little brother and sister, and they'd gone up into the attic of their house. They found all those treasures up there that they were going through. They found a box of letters, and they began reading those letters. And they were love letters that their parents had written when they were young. And the little girl, as she was reading those, she said, Are you sure mom and dad wrote these letters? And the little boy said, Yes. And she said, Well, those are not the names they call each other now. Now, really, I mean, if if you in your home lived at the golden rule, can you imagine how it would change things? Husbands? How would it change you if you lived at the golden rule in your home? You'd be more considerate of your wife, certainly. I love the story about a a man who was having some problems. He and his wife were not getting along well. And so there was a man at work, and he and his wife seemed just to do great together. And so he asked him one day, he said, you know, I've noticed that you and your wife just seem to respect each other and love each other and enjoy each other. He said, you know, I'm having some problems with my wife. He said, what's the secret? And the fellow said, well... You know, he said, I surprise her with, uh, he said, a lot of times, he said, I might take her candy or I might take her flowers or something of, of that nature just to surprise her, to, to let her know that I love her. He said, why don't you take some flowers home to your wife and see how she reacts? So he bought some flowers and he went home. When she opened the door, he handed her the flowers and she just burst into tears. He was perplexed. He said, I what is this? I don't, I don't understand what... She said, it's the worst day of my life. She said, I got a call. Billy went to school this morning and he, and he, and he fell and he, and he skinned his leg and I had to go down to the school and get him and take him to the hospital and they put stitches in. And, and then when I got back home, she said, I had the washing machine going and it overflowed while I was gone and water was everywhere. And then I got a call from one of the creditors saying that you hadn't paid the bill. And, and, so I, and now you come home drunk. Can you imagine the difference it would make in your relationship if you lived out the golden rule, men? If you treated your wife as you would want to be treated and wives, can you imagine the difference it would make in your relationship if you lived out the golden rule? I mean, if you did, when your husband came home, you wouldn't be standing at the door with a list of 12 things for him to do. We would be considerate of each other. Parents would be considerate of their children. Children would be considerate of their parents if we lived out the golden rule. Society would be radically different. There would be no racial issues. Billy Graham wrote, racial tension and misunderstanding can be resolved by exercising the golden rule. There would be no crime. If we lived out the golden rule, there would be no crime because I wouldn't do to you what I wouldn't want you to do to me. So there would be no crime. Change our traffic. 
I'd gone to the store yesterday and I was coming back home now on the street in front of my house, speed limit's 35, and I always drive 35 there. There was a guy behind me who was tailgating me and I, I, I just slowed more and more because I was really getting aggravated. Now, he wouldn't want me doing that to him. And had he lived out the golden rule, he would not have caused me to backslide. <laughs> we would solve our traffic problems. There would be no problems in the church if we lived out the golden rule. No financial problems because we would all tithe. I, I would not depend on others to finance what I believe to be important if I lived at the golden rule. If I lived at the golden rule, I would witness because I am grateful that someone witnessed to me. If I lived at the golden rule, I would serve because I understand the importance of service if I lived at the golden rule. So let me, let me conclude. The golden rule relates to the entire sermon. Now look at verse number 11. If you then, being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask Him? All right, now think of the good things God has done for you. Folks, I am overwhelmed. I am literally overwhelmed at God's goodness. He has forgiven me. He has provided for me beyond anything I would ever dare ask or dream. God has been good. So look at verse 12. Therefore, however you want people to treat you, so treat them. For this is the law and the prophets. You understand that therefore in verse number 12 refers back to verse number 11. Here's the point that he's making. God has been good to you. Therefore, you are to be good to others. I treat others right, not because they treat me right. This is what he's saying. We treat others right, not because they treat us right. We treat others right because God has blessed me. Well, here's a question. Well, if I do that, won't people take advantage of me? Yes. Yes, they'll take advantage of you. But the Bible says in Ephesians 6, 8, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord. The scripture says that you and I are to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Not because they do good things to me, but because God has done good things to me. And it is God who rewards us, not someone else. Bow your heads with me, please. I don't know how God might have spoken to your heart today. But if you're here without Jesus Christ as Savior, I would encourage you to trust Him. Commit your life to Him. We'll have staff members here at the front who'd love to pray with you if you want to commit your life to Christ. If you're looking for a church home, our doors are open to you. We'd love to have you as a part of our family. You come and the staff would be happy to pray with you. Whatever God's speaking to your heart about. Our gracious Father, we come to this time of invitation reminded of your goodness to us. 
Lord, I pray for those today who need to respond to the Holy Spirit in their lives, to trust Jesus, to join the church, whatever it is. Give them the courage to do so. In Christ's name, amen. Stand with me, please, as we stand together. The choir sings as they sing, you come, I'll greet you as you do.